Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, here we are. We're back. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. It's, um, I'm like really, I don't know about you, but I don't know. I just, I would like really want to like get a lot of stuff out and done before the end of the year. And it just feels like, like time is, is really, what's that? Time is ticking. Yeah. Time is ticking. Like, yeah. geez, November 15th. Like <laughs> I'm really running out of time. Got holiday stuff going on. Thanksgiving. At the same time, I'm like, ah, I really want to like slow down kind of, and just like relax during the holidays. But yeah, it's going well though. I'm I'm really happy with my productivity the last several weeks. I would say, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, uh, I counted up today, and there's only four full work weeks left of the year, and then three mm. partial. Work oh weeks. my gosh! <laughs> oh. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, there was. I saw that the other day. I was looking at um, there's like this crypto app called Zapper, which like tracks like it connects to your wallet and like tracks everything that you have. And they had like, they call like these, have like these like seasonal promotions and it was like 49 days. till the next season starts. And I was like, Oh, when's the next season start? And it was like January 1st. I was like, what? <laughs> 49 days. That's nothing. And that was a couple of days ago. I don't know what it is now, but yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I, um, yeah, like last week was weirdly felt pretty unproductive to me. Um, Hmm. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, so we, we went over our roadmap today and uh, like slashed the scope of things to complete by the end of the year, <laughs> basically in half. Because uh, it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's, all of a sudden yeah. it's November 15th. Uh, holidays mm-hmm. are coming up. Like, let's be realistic about what's actually going to get done. So, Right. I know. But I, I know you're making a push for like uh, Black Friday and all of that. So obviously that makes a difference. Right. Yeah. So I just saw a tweet from Podia today. They were talking about some Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotional strategies for creators. And it was like 11 days away. And I was like, whoa. I, <laughs> like, I knew I sort of like needed to start preparing for that. But I was like, all right, this week I need to like figure that out. I mean, it's going to be fairly simple, right? It's not rocket science. I don't have like any, I'm not going to have any sort of crazy intricate thing that's really going on. But um, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I don't plan on like sending anything until Black Friday itself early in the morning. Um, probably really early for anyone who's like, I don't know, looking for deals and whatnot. But uh, I think I'm just going to keep it really simple. I think, I don't know, I've sort of gone back and forth on what I'm actually going to offer, but I think I'm going to keep it pretty simple. And since the price change, the next price increase from $2.99 to $4.99 is going to be on the 4th, which is like the end of the week post cyber Monday, I'm going to kind of do like, Hey, lock in your price before the price increase. And the first 50 people will get 50 bucks off the first year. So it's not going to be like a crazy deal, but it's, it's still going to be like half off the new price. It's sort mm-hmm. of how I'm going to try to, um, frame it and position it. And, uh, and yeah, just make it fairly straightforward. Yeah. 
And I feel like whenever there's some sort of deal of, you know, only the first 50 people or whatever, like that is always motivating. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have kind of an excuse to send like a couple more emails about like how many are left and, you know, last chance to grab the last couple and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to get that out there and feels fairly promising. Um, we'll see how it goes, but I just need to sort of wrap that up and get a draft going and convert kit and a couple of tweets in the, in the hopper in typefully. So it won't be, won't be too much. Nice. Yeah. Um, so this last week you said was fairly unproductive <laughs> or you felt like, like that. Yeah. Uh, how things been? What, what's, what's been going on? Yeah. So last week started off, uh, I think we had a record number of open support tickets on Monday. Uh, oh, so wow. just like a lot came in <laughs> over the weekend and, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, we basically worked through that all day on Monday. Um, like even like pretty late into Monday and both mm. Noah and I were like pretty exhausted at the end of it. Uh, and it kind of got me thinking and I've been thinking about this a little bit that probably getting close to the point where we could hire another person for customer support. Uh, mm-hmm. Partly because of all the additional responsibilities that Noah's taking on that is uh, not directly customer support. Um, so, you know, helping with like building out clonables and templates and uh, a few other things on, on the marketing side. Like he writes all the, uh, the feature updates. He writes those posts mm. uh, in our fancy new update yeah. widget. So yeah, there's just like, <laughs> he's doing a lot for one person. Uh, and you know, I'm taking on a little bit extra of the support now too, to balance things out and, and which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's probably time to just have someone dedicated to, to only doing support, only building out the help docs, mm. um, and just trying to, yeah, really like shore that up. So, you know, our response times are still pretty good. I would say most people get a response within a day, uh, as, as long as it's like a, you know, business day. Um, yeah, but yeah. sometimes two or three, it, it can slip to that, but right. Yeah. It just feels like, yeah, the, the capacity wise, like we, we are definitely reaching like full capacity now. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, especially, I think you could tell me, but especially since it's more technical support, it's not like you're, Hey, how do I like do this really simple thing over here? But it seems like a good portion of it is like fairly like this thing isn't working or like, how do I, you know, like a lot of it's Webflow related and you know, we've talked about this before, but it's not, yeah, not traditional, like super easily outsourced support, uh, or at least not like a large part of it. I don't know. Do you, do you still have a sense for like what that sort of split is between like, you know, you or even like Noah now needs to tackle it versus like I could jump in and like give like a fairly <laughs> reasonable <laughs> response without having like any technical knowledge at all. Yeah. There is definitely, what I've realized is there is that sort of, uh, I can't remember what the term is, like tier one or or like basically there's a class of support tickets where, yeah, like you could jump in and answer them. And those are probably never going to go away despite what we do with the product, despite what we do on the website. Some people just like want to ask, is this possible? Or, um, you know, 
what is your pricing or just like basic information that is found elsewhere but like they just want to ask and get an answer um yeah and, and that's fine uh but i don't think we have enough of that where it makes sense to just hire someone to only take that stuff um yeah it's just a lot more to hire someone full-time or even part-time like there's just most of the tickets are still webflow related uh you know html css related so yeah it is it is more on the technical support side Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah it's uh it'll at least be easier this time around like you know hired noah and learn definitely learn some lessons around like training someone for support for like a technical product and uh mm-hmm. you know and, and i think he's pretty well situated too now to be able to uh, i don't think i would have him do the training 100 percent for the new person um but he could certainly do some of it so yeah yeah definitely help out even if it's like sort of like shadowing or just like right. another person to ask a question or help or loop in. It's just, I mean, that's invaluable. Yeah. I will say on, on the flip side, uh, I think part of the reason why last week didn't feel as productive was, uh, Thursday was veterans day and my daycare was closed for veterans day. My wife had it off oh, right. <laughs> and it was 80 and sunny out. And so I was like, um, yep. Yeah, I think I'm going to take today off too, and and we uh, <laughs> we just hung out with the Belmont Park, which was fun, and uh, oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, I know got it's been to warm. Uh, take advantage of the the indie hacker life and just take there a day off. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, man. It was I forget what I was doing on Thursday. What exactly? But I remember thinking like, oh, it's feeling too hot to be in this tiny little office with no air conditioning. Like I need to either like get out or I need to like go find a cooler spot somewhere to work because this is not fun or it would be fun outside if I was doing something active, but, uh, San Diego winter or I guess pre, you know, we're still in fall, but, uh, yeah, 80 and sunny. Yeah. It was, it was hot. (laughs) That's cool. Glad you got to take advantage of that. Yeah. What about you? What's, uh, you? You said you have felt like you've been productive. Yeah, I feel like I've just been... Um, I feel like I mentioned it, you know, sort of like um, default alive bingo a little bit, but like I feel like I just... <laughs> I know like my... I have my marching orders and like I feel like I have so much more clarity around what I need to do, what I want to do, like just knocking things off the to-do list and just very confident in like the direction that things are going. And that's made it a lot easier just to like kind of crank away easily, uh, at stuff that I'm working on. Um, so last week, uh, I think I mentioned my, my goal was to get at least one video out. Um, well I got eight out, so that was great. And I got the first, the whole first module, um, which they're like going to be like four sort of modules for the new course marketing, like a media company. So I got the first one done, which is very like introductory, I call it, uh, it's like the media strategy module kind of like sets up, like here's like the mindset and attitude and sort of like reason for the whole orb framework around owned, borrowed and rented platforms. And, um, 
I actually need to re-record one because I like forgot like a crucial slide, <laughs> but I still got eight out last week. So I'll count that towards my productivity. Um, and then I sent out a whole bunch of, uh, pitches for the premium sponsorship sort of package. And I have everything like I recorded a little zip message and I attached the PDF to the deck there. And then like I have a link to my savvy Cal and other information. So I've just been sending that out and I had a list of like, okay, here are the ideal sponsors for swipe files that I'd, I'd love to, you know, be like a dream sort of partner with. And, um, it's a pretty long list. I think there's maybe like 50 ish companies. And so just cranked through that and beginning a lot of good responses. Um, and have my first two verbal commitments. Oh, wow. Awesome. And surprising. Dude, that's huge. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause there hasn't been like a whole bunch of pushback. It's just a lot of like, awesome. Sounds good. Um, you know, like light questions here and there, but for the most part, very, very receptive. And, uh, so I'm hoping like this week slash next week, I can maybe get the next two and maybe wrap it at four. But even then just at two, that'd be a huge win. I'm sort of like fine with it, leaving it there as well. If no one else wants to, uh, wants to bite, but, um, that feels really good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just, dude, that's been amazing. Easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've only had to, yeah, I just been hopping on like a couple of calls and they've been very like easy and conversational, but like having it all in the deck and then the zip message, I think saves me a lot of time just to be able to run that sales process asynchronously basically. Um, and, uh, yeah, so really, really stoked and I'm hoping to like wrap that whole thing up just like in total of like contracts signed, paid everything by early December. Um, wow. but, uh, yeah, so wait in a couple more. I don't know if you can, or if you want to share the numbers, but I mean, I would imagine it's going to be like pretty substantial, uh, revenue increase for you. Yeah, I think so. Um, pairing the new sponsorship, uh, revenue with the, the member revenue, it'll pretty much push me over a default alive. Uh, in total, oh, like, wow. barring cash flow, like basically, like that's the whole, <laughs> the whole conundrum is like this whole cash flow thing, which is like, you know, I need to, I need to actually, I mean, after this, like in December, I need to really like map out sort of a cash flow projection month to month. Um, it's nice having the revenue upfront, but then it just, I don't know, it just makes it weird and hard to plan. Like, how much can I actually start taking for myself, and or, you know, what needs to be paid for, and. I don't know, just stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so that would push me over default alive and that would definitely, I mean, with the sponsorship, having it all sort of come in in advance in one month will definitely, uh, result in a big month. And actually one of the things I've been sort of like thinking through and contemplating is do I put it through Stripe invoices or do I ask for like a, a wire transfer? Um, mm. I've never really done like this large of a sum all at once and like mapping it out. I was like, Ooh, I'm going to be paying Stripe a lot of money <laughs> for just like a simple, like click here to pay. Of course it's worth like they have amazing tech, but yeah. I'm like, well, if they could just wire it to me, that might save me a decent chunk of change. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I previously paid someone, I think it was around six grand. 
again, I don't know your numbers at all if, if that's, uh, you know, any, anything near, but, um, through Stripe invoicing. And I was like, kind of surprised even that felt like a lot mm. to go through Stripe invoicing, but, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what they used. So, yeah, I don't think there's like another great invoicing tool ish, you know, that'd be like comparable to a Stripe. Yeah. Also just having it in Stripe would make my life easier from like an accounting perspective. Uh, cause there's that like kind of system of record and receipt and stuff like that. But yeah, there isn't, I don't know if a lot, like an alternative besides just like a straight wire transfer paired with, you know, some sort of like contract, which I'd also have to draw up. I need to actually, that's one of the things I need to think through. <laughs> I don't, well, yeah, no, there should be some sort of contract. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is it, isn't crypto supposed to solve this problem? Are we supposed to be able to zip <laughs> money around like for pennies? <laughs> right. Actually. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like business accounts for crypto is like non-existent <laughs> right now, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, think about like TransferWise or PayPal or like most of the other ways that people like transfer money yeah. for like business use cases. Like, dude, it's so much. It's always well, a pain. Kind of not right now with Ethereum. Ethereum gas prices are nuts, but soon and like theoretically, it's much, much cheaper and faster to do it that way. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> well, I'll have to wait on that a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> the the one other thing I sort of have been wasting my time on a little bit last week is uh, trying to secure the at swipe files handle, which has been kind of surprisingly elusive because I feel like in the last week I've seen like four or five people get their handle and like do the whole like impersonation report and then like switch it over and like this like really seamless kind of transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like followed all the steps that other people have been doing and I feel like I'm the marketing guy. So I'm like, I should know how to do this, <laughs> this stuff. And I've been like shot down twice now. Really? And like not, yeah. I mean, Twitter support is like notoriously horrible. But I figured like, oh, if like we've kind of like, here's the magic formula. This seems to be what's working for people. There have been some like nuanced details that have been missing from some of these like guides and instructions from people, which I haven't asked them about. So it's kind of my fault, but I've tried like a couple of different versions of the same thing and two have been unsuccessful. One, I still have like an open ticket with, but I'm like stuck right now in this like, uh, this like loop of. Twitter trying to verify that I am like an authorized representative of my business. And, but they own, so they, it's so funny. They send me an email and they're like, Oh, to proceed, we need to verify. So they're like, please upload your driver's license, some sort of like incorporation document, a business card and like, um, like a legal something or other that shows that you are like off, like authorized to have this conversation. And then you go to upload the documents and there's a max file upload of one and a max oh size God. of five megabytes. <laughs> I'm like, what? So wait, oh no. what? <laughs> what do you, and then, so like the last time I felt it out and I like just did it over and over again. So I just like opened a new link and like uploaded the documents separately. And then they sent me an email the next day and we're like, sorry, but we cannot like verify 
your information and then they closed the ticket and I was like, what the F dude? Wow. <laughs> like, I don't even know if I, if I got them all or not. So then I tried a different route with, um, cause there's like a million and one ways you can like go through the same process. But this time I went through like someone's impersonating my business instead of like someone's impersonating me. And that seems to be like closer to what I'm trying to get at. Hmm. But, uh, so I just today, again, I like tried uploading the documents and then I emailed them and I was like, look, I don't have a business card cause this isn't 1998. <laughs> like, please accept the, like my incorporation documents that shows me as the sole member LLC. And you know, it's coming from my swifiles.com email address. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like that's the best I got. <laughs> it should be enough. I don't know what everyone else is doing. Apparently, maybe I need to like print a business card or something. I'll just like print it on a piece of paper and take a <laughs> screenshot of it. Yeah, didn't you say the big thing we'll was see. owning the dot com? Yeah, I thought it was going to be a piece of cake because I was like, okay, I got the dot com. I am the sole member LLC, like sole team member of. Like, I don't know. Yeah, huh? Seemed great on paper, but yeah, they weren't having it. I think the the one thing that might be the hiccup is that the current Swipe Files handle on Twitter has a link to SwipeFiles.net in their bro, in their profile. So I'm mm. wondering if like the .net is like oh like they think it's like kind of legitimized that way. Interesting, uh, which is unfortunate. But again, I, I'm it's, just it's not 1998. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the .net. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But, uh, that's pretty much what I spent my time on last week. I was gonna say that that sounds like a bit of a, more of a time suck than you would like. Yeah. Yeah. Really. It's like, I'm like trying to do all the research and I'm like, why isn't this working? And then I'm going back and forth with their support, trying to upload documents, trying to find new documents, take a picture of my driver's license. I don't know. Yeah. It was a couple hours here and there. Oh man. Oh, well, what else is top of mind? What else is new in your world? Yeah, not, um, not a ton going on. So I, I have some <laughs> random thoughts I've, I've been thinking about. Uh, number one, I don't know if you listened to uh, the the Justin Jackson Indie Hackers episode. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, which was really good. Uh, a lot of good thoughts on, you know, like, having kids and uh, starting a company and uh, <laughs> you know, just, know. He, he's obviously great. So, so all of it was, was entertaining. Um, but one thing that I kind of latched on to was when he's talking about competing against uh, like free, uh, free, like large free competitors. Uh, so in, in he mentioned anchor FM uh, and I, I don't totally, I didn't look into like what their pricing structure actually is, but it sounded like, they have a ton of free users free forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you Spotify know, Spotify bought them out and oh, they were like oh. free for a long time and they just continued to be free. Like they've never had any sort of monetization at all. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I really related to this because, uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, like I wouldn't say Jetboost has like direct free competitors, but there are definitely like, open source libraries like JavaScript libraries. There are mm -hmm. 
closed source JavaScript. There, there's alternatives to using JetBoost, even though it's not like a one-to-one alternative. Um, right. But yeah, there's like, I've talked about it before. There's like parts of it that, that you could write custom code for to do yourself. Um, and he also mentioned how when Anchor came out, like they were like, this is it. Like we're done. The business is over. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I had similar feelings with like some, as more of these free products were, uh, were introduced that like, all right, everyone's just going to use the free version. No one's going to use JetBoost. Um, but it's funny how it doesn't turn out that way. And it's, I've seen exactly what Justin has seen, which is a lot of users graduate from the free version of whatever it is to then a paying product um, mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons, like sometimes uh, quality or additional features or uh, I think customer supports a big one, which, yeah, you yeah. know, when you're using a free product, like, a lot of times it isn't the best customer support. Uh, if a company isn't making like if, if that's not how you're driving revenue, then like, yeah, you're not going to put as much into helping people and, and making sure people are successful with that product. And I've totally mm-hmm. seen that. I, I've, we have people reaching out all the time, switching from one of the free alternatives. Uh, and customer support has been mentioned several times. I've, I've heard some of the free alternatives have like up to two week wait times to, to get Mm. an answer to your question. So it's just like, wow, that's like a surprisingly uh, surprising to me, at least before ever like doing a SaaS company that that's like a pretty big differentiator, um, especially Mm -hmm. when going up against free. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then like, yeah, like I said, all these people are graduating from it. So then like once they hit some sort of pain point with a, with a free thing, immediately the first thing is like, well, what else is out there? Or like, how can I fix this? And like, that's when people are really willing to like buck up money and be like, please take my money, solve my problems, like make this work. And then they go search for, you know, anchor FM alternatives or, right. You know, whatever open, open source alternative to jet boost or, you know, free tool or, uh, open source code. And then it's just like, you know, people get fed up. <laughs> like free, free is a great way to make users fed up. And then, <laughs> ultimately move on yeah yeah it's almost like it, it, it i think they can grow the overall market so like there are probably people who wouldn't you know they're using webflow maybe they're pretty new to webflow or web design and they wouldn't be interested in like i'm not going to go pay for another product like JetBoost. but then they start using one of these free things and they're like oh i like these additional features that it gives me uh and eventually yeah they hit that roadblock like you said and then uh, now they are more likely to be willing to upgrade to, uh, right. Something like right. JetBoost. Yeah. The interesting part is that it would probably be a different story if instead of it being free, it was freemium. And so there was like some plan to graduate to from anchor or like some sort of like productized version of the open source thing. Um, but when the only alternative is a paid option, that's from like a different service provider, then that's basically just like lost revenue. <laughs> like it really is like free marketing right, for you <laughs> or for Justin, because what else are people going to do? Like if they, if they're fed up with whatever free thing that they're using, they can't upgrade to make those problems go, go away. So they have to switch and right. cancel. Right. 
Yeah. The, I am definitely a huge believer in the freemium model. Like I, I would say Jepus somewhat has a freemium model where you could use it free forever uh, mm-hmm. on any Webflow site that's just hosted at webflow.io, uh, not on a custom domain. Because it's a good it's a good way to get people in the door uh, and and trying it out, and also not like time limited. Like I am very much yeah uh, not a fan of time limited trials anymore. Like I hate when I sign up for a product and it's like you have ten days to set this up, and it's like a lot of times I sign up for something, I'm like excited to try it out, and then you know I get some emails come in that I'm like oh crap I have to go deal with this first. And then it's like, next mm-hmm. thing I know, my 10 days are up and I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even try it out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, especially like it's, I mean, it's, it's like a, uh, like a, a miracle if the trial length lines up with like how long you actually need to get set up with like how, whatever the tool that you're using matches with the project that you're working on. And normally it takes a lot longer to actually like get set up than the trial length. Right. And so then like you're forcing people to choose like, Oh, maybe I'll like wait another week to sign up for next week because that way, you know, like this two week window will match up with when we actually start implementing it and go live or like vice versa. And then what happens when the trials up before like the thing is ready or before you're, you've like made enough progress to justify paying for it. And yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I started a Help Scout trial like six months before I started actually using the product. Like I, I had all intents and purposes to switch over to Help Scout hmm. um, from, I think I was using Crisp at the time. And I started the trial and for whatever reason, like I never got to actually, I basically didn't set up anything. And then like six months later, hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to finally make the switch to Help Scout. And I had to email them and be like, hey, can you guys like restart my trial? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, which which they were totally you know fine about, but it's just like seems a little bit unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I know. I wish I could really implement freemium for swipe files because that's one of the. That's actually. I. I. It just kind of occurred to me like that would kind of solve my problems of like trying to build bring the community outside of the community walls. Mm. If I could just say, oh, like the first you know three posts are visible to everyone. Or like, you know, your first three videos and the courses that you watch are, are free. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I could actually do that by like making them publicly available, but there's sort of like a weird thing with circle where you have to, um, there's like a setting where you have to, because of the authentication process, you have to like unlink your auth provider and then like restart sort of like the settings for how people see the content that makes sense. So it's basically like right now people authenticate through member stack and that enables the trial, the seven day free trial. And also is the way that people log in and there's a way where I can make it so that like by default, instead of everything being locked down, everything can be open uh, and then I choose like which spaces are not open, but that would basically require me to like re authenticate and like 
reconfigure everything, mm. which is a scary thing for me to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's a way I could pull that off, but that would maybe be a cool way to sort of, you know, then like in addition to the trial, even before the trial, someone can come in and like watch videos or see a couple posts or get access to one space before starting a trial. Yeah. I feel like with a community, I mean, they, they would just be read only, right? Cause you don't really want like free users yeah. making posts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And for the courses, could you just host like some of the videos? I don't know. On YouTube or something <laughs> like, like here's like the first yeah, chapter or like first the same. two chapters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will, uh, I can't talk about it yet, but I'm, I'm going to be partnering with a sort of platform that will, give some like organic distribution to swipe files content. And I think that'll, that'll help. And that's like a good, like, you know, sort of like a YouTube ask thing where it's like, this isn't like really, uh, like visible to most people, but it's like discoverable and can act as sort of that like first step to get people in the door. Um, but I think like long-term, the best solution would be like make it accessible without logging in, but then, once you sort of like reach your limit or you want to access certain things, then you force people to start the trial. That would be, that'd be really ideal. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause even right now I can, I can make, uh, I can make posts in the community publicly visible, but it's basically just like a direct link to the po the post instead of like the space where you would click on the post. So it's really not like visible within the community. It's just like, a direct link straight to it. If you wanted to, you know, link to it from Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, yeah. Allowing people to try stuff out and, and sort of browse before you buy is, is pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, especially today, it's just like the bar keeps getting raised and people keep getting more spoiled and there's more and more competition <laughs> out there. So like you have to really, yeah, you have to show, you have to prove that it's, it's interesting enough to even start a trial today. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's true. What else you got going on? I've seen some action on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Two things, uh, really quick that are sort of unrelated to the normal program of swipe files, but, um, applied uh finally comfund opened up their scout program which is really exciting so i applied and got accepted and as a scout which is not surprising because they sort of talked about how it'd be like open and accessible to pretty much anyone and everyone mm-hmm. um but it's a pretty cool like i'm really excited for them i just think like they just never never disappoint with sort of like their version of whatever it is that they're doing yeah and the scout program is awesome because uh basically like helps them build an army of marketers for them to attract people to apply to calm and, uh, really evangelize the, the whole model of what they're doing. And, um, it's, it's actually really cleverly done. Like when someone applies to calm, then there's another form field for a scout ID, which basically like is like the attribution, right? It's like the source for, you know, who is like responsible for this thing. Um, instead of just being reliant on like an email intro or some sort of 
like very disparate system that people have to use. And then they have this program where they incentivize memos, investment memos. So like without a memo, there's like a cash incentive of $2,000 per accepted applicant. But with a memo, it's $5,000. And then you get multiple of those. And then that, that can sort of like variably increase to, I don't know what yet, but I assume there's some sort of small multiplier. Um, but that basically encourages like more thoughtful applications mm-hmm. and scouting and, you know, increases competition a little bit, like who can write the best memo and or build a reputation for themselves. And, um, so I'm excited. I mean, I, I would have kept pointing people to calm, but now there's definitely like an extra incentive to want to go out of my way to do that. <laughs> right. As, uh, <laughs> as these things go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I when I saw this, I just thought, like, I don't know. To me, it has the potential to really just uh, scale Calm Fun, like, like it could get huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Tyler always amazes me with how large he's able to think. Like, some t- sometimes he challenges me know. with Jetboost to like think larger, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and and he's clearly doing that with Calm Fund as well. Yeah, really, really well done. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be huge for them. Um, I'm excited to. I've never written like an investment memo, which I think is like a really fun kind yeah. of exercise. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it'll just be like a, a good thing for the community as well. Just like trying to incentivize people to be more connected and to make those introductions and think more critically and sort of really like embed themselves in the community. Uh, not just from the founder perspective, but also from like the investor slash advisor slash random people like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Super cool. One other thing that's very not related, but, um, you mentioned crypto, so I have to bring it up now. Uh Oh, here we go. Which is, uh, last week, (laughs) (laughs) last week, uh, one of the crypto projects called ENS, which is the Ethereum name service. Um, which is essentially like a, um, you know, web three domain registrar. Uh, and so right now their main top level domain is .eth for Ethereum, obviously, but, um, they're adding more and more and sort of like adding the features of like a name cheap or a GoDaddy, if you will. And, um, someone had pointed me onto them a while back. I couldn't even tell you, I think maybe six or eight months ago. Um, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like, Domain names. Oh, you know what it was? It was a tweet about how domain names are like the original NFT and how, mm. you know, and it was talking about ENS and how like, this is like the first like big application of this coming to life and how people need to get on it. So I was like, cool, I'll register my, you know, my ENS. And so registered coreyhaines.eth and that basically redirects to my crypto addresses, which makes transfers and sort of, uh, you know, if you wanted to send it to anyone, makes it a lot easier. And it also links to your social and like eventually have capabilities to link for like hosting and websites and any other digital property you want to even like listing your NFTs or, uh, other like projects that you're involved in sort of like the found, like the foundation for a lot of things. So I was really excited about it. And then last week they did an airdrop, which is essentially, it's part of the, like the, like this, I guess like standardized or like normalized crypto kind of go to market 
playbook, if you will, where you sort of like launch, get developers on board, build first features, invite people to, to the discord. And then once you reach this point of like feature parity, where you feel ready to launch, then you go kind of like retroactively want to reward everyone who's gotten you to that point. So you do an airdrop where you essentially like manufacture tokens where you launch your token and then distribute them to the early users for free. So it's basically like, you know, stock options, but for, for tokens. So they airdropped, uh, tokens according to how long you've had your ENS, uh, domain registered mm. and like the next expiration date. So basically like how long you registered, registered it for, um, like basically like incentivize people to register for a long time rather than just like a year, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever it was. So wait, um, did you have to originally pay to register your name? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay. Yeah. So it was like $5 a year for like five plus characters and then like a hundred dollars a year for like three to four characters and then like a thousand dollars a year for two characters or something like that. Um, so mine's Korean Zaith, So it's like pretty cheap. And then I just had to pay for the gas fees, which back then were not as crazy. It was like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, so then I did the airdrop and I got wind of it. I didn't even know it was coming. Haven't been in the discord forever. Really haven't done. I've just been like using it actively. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it turns out I got airdropped 290 tokens which today is worth about 15 grand. What? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Nuts. I was like, what? This is literally free money. And, um, when I first got airdropped, it was worth like 11,000. So they, they airdropped at the exact same time as they like launched the token and the token immediately started trading at like 18 bucks. And then went up to like 40, which is around when I claimed mine, but my cost basis is zero besides the gas fees to, to claim it. And then it went all the way up to like 80 or something like that. So it was worth like 20 ish grand. And now it's back down to 15. Um, but it's free money that I'm going to hold on to. A lot of people have sold them. <laughs> I think kind of foolishly, uh, because this is going to be like the foundation for how I think most people will interact with crypto. And then later there's going to be like staking and other rewards incentivize people to, to hold, and there's also like real life revenue because people have to register their domain names. And so that will also increase the value of the tokens. And so I'm hodling for now. Hmm. That's crazy. So, so what is like, what is the incentive for them? So they were already charging money for a product. Like what is the incentive for them to then do this airdrop of the tokens? It's like, are they holding some well, portion of the tokens? So then as the price rises, like their holdings go up? Uh, yes and no, because one of the other paradigm shifts is, you know, the shift from like a centralized ownership to decentralized ownership. So the decentralized ownership uh, sort of model today is a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. And basically DAOs are governed by tokens. And so... Um, the project themselves will sort of like, uh, they will like facilitate, uh, voting and like new initiatives and projects for anyone who holds a token to vote on 
which then like determines the roadmap or like what gets built next or essentially. And so you sort of like act in accordance with, you know, the, 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 the desires and votes of the DAO, which is the collective, you know, everyone who holds tokens. So one, like that's like the actual like function of a DAO and the token is anyone who has ownership of a token is technically an owner of or partial owner of the project. And thus they have a, a vote and a right and they get to, um, they get a say in what happens. But then too, it is also like the retroactively like rewarding of everyone who's contributed in the past. So it's sort of this retroactive like value, um, that they're giving back to the community. And then they're like also re incentivizing people to keep contributing and keep being a part of the community and keep, uh, building on top of it to thus increase their stake in the ownership. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It's but like it, it varies. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Like they all do it differently. So they'll always have like a breakdown, um, of the, the airdrop distribution and just like the token called the tokenomics, which is like how, how the tokens value is derived. And then like who has that token and who gets the token essentially over time. And, um, so everyone's different. Like that was one of the main things that people liked about Ethereum in the beginning was that, um, or not Ethereum, sorry. Well, Ethereum is interesting because they, like the main like founders originally had like a hundred percent of the ownership. And then they like, as they brought more people on, then they basically just incentivized everyone in ETH. Uh, but now, you know, like Vitalik isn't like the largest, I'm not sure if he still is. He doesn't have to be the largest like ETH owner, even though he's like the face of Ethereum and sort of like the head honcho essentially. One of the other projects I remember is, um, uh, it's, uh, yearn. And so it's like this, like layer on top of a couple protocols for, for DeFi. And a lot of people liked it because the original creator didn't like distribute anything. Didn't like leave any of the tokens for himself. He like mm. purely gave all the tokens away to everyone else in the community. And so people are like, oh, this guy is not in it for the money. Like we can trust him and this is like a very altruistic kind of mission, but it can, you know, there could be some that 90% go to like a couple of people. Right. And then like only 10% go out to everyone else. I forget what the distribution was for ENS, but my impression was like the vast majority is going out to the, the people, the contributors, the developers. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I only follow this stuff like <laughs> from what I see on Twitter, and uh, you know, very uh, at a very high level with with very little understanding. Uh, but I'm I'm always a little skeptical when I see things like, you know, people are like, "This is you know, everything's decentralized. We're all going to be owners," and uh, you know, and, and there's all these giveaways and whatnot. It's like to me, like that that goes a little bit against like human nature, like. Uh, yes, people can act altruistically, but, um, yeah, usually there's some sort of, if you're starting something like there's something in it for, for you as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think like a hundred percent, not everything needs to be decentralized and not everything will be decentralized either in the future. Like, I don't think that there's going to be, you know, a web three version of everything we know today that will just displace everything 
web two is still here to stay. And there's still like a lot of these things. It will not become sort of like tokenized or decentralized or however you want to call it. Like it, it can stay centralized. That's totally fine. <laughs> there's nothing like really inherently broken about it. But I think for certain things, there's definitely uh, room for disruption. And for certain things, it does make more sense for things to be primarily decentralized. And I'm also, I just think that like, we're still in like very early innings. And a lot of this, we're just like figuring out along the way. It's so, like what it looks like today might not be like the best version of what it will be in the future. And we just don't know what that looks like yet. And so there might be other iterations or evolutions of how things work that is more conducive to kind of this like moderation. <laughs> it's not so like extreme <laughs> or, uh, absolute, you know, elitist or absolute. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I had, I would say more negative feelings towards like web three NFTs, all, all this stuff that's been flying around in the beginning. And now I'm coming around to like, people are having fun and like innovating and excited. And it's like, you know, why should I be a curmudgeon about it? Like it's, it's cool that that stuff's happening. And, um, you know, I do believe that like real value is being created now. Uh, obviously there's still going to be scam projects and whatnot, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just like people are excited about it and that's cool. And I'm not going to knock anyone for, for working on that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you really quickly, just two applications. I'm, I'm pretty excited about, uh, one is one that I just learned about. It's basically like a, um, like a top towel, but decentralized on crypto. So it's called brain trust. And it's like this freelance network, um, owned by the people who actually do the work, like the, the talent collective or the people who are being resourced. And so it's just an interesting model because it's basically, you know, like a, a Fiverr or a top tell, but, um, but not right. Uh, and instead a lot more, cause I think that what happens with those types of networks is that a lot of the, the talent or like the participants in the network end up sort of becoming commoditized because there's so much competition and there's more, more more and more people join the network. The network becomes more valuable, but then the people in the network become less valuable. It's like this, you know, everyone gets like diluted to a certain sense. And a lot of the value accrues to the people who own the network, which is the top tell or the, the fibers and whatnot kind of unnecessarily. It's like, you look at some of those products and like they haven't changed in like, 10 years and you're like, what are you like really doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, like people don't really need this, but with something like a brain trust, it's owned, uh, primarily by the people in the network. And so that's like the rise or like the, the value of the network. Um, as that value of the network rises, it rises proportionate to the value of the people in the network as well. And so they get to capture that upside and also have much more say in sort of like how it works and all the rules. So that's also like another interesting nuance of how a lot of these networks work. Um, and, uh, and the other one, it's funny cause I, we were just sort of experiencing this, this last weekend with, uh, going to a couple of concerts. My wife's going to a concert tonight and, um, my wife bought concert tickets from someone else and it was like the sketchiest thing of all time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, multiple people in this Facebook group were like, we're getting scammed. Like these concert <laughs> tickets were not cheap. 
and there's like this weird like culture of like, oh, you have to like you know screenshot like your convers or like screen record your your conversation in DMs or text or whatever it is, and then like you flip to like the confirmation page that like shows that you have the tickets, but then like even then like a minute later they could like sell it and then like you know now you're screwed you sent the money but it's like too late now someone else has it yeah, uh, and I was I was super sketched out. But it worked. We found someone who was legit and who was nice and who was not trying to scalp us or, or scam us. But I was like, dude, this is so ripe for disruption. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, there's like the Ticketmasters and the, you know, the whatever else. But like, one, they're too expensive. And two, like, they don't really facilitate enough of the process for like a sale. Especially if someone's like, hey, are these tickets? Like, I want to do like high spitter or I want to do like some sort of like auction style and like, crypto solves for this i'm a, I'm a believer <laughs> yeah I've, I've actually i've read a little bit about that use case specifically for like concert tickets and stuff and and concert tickets are an amazing nft like they are an nft right they're, they're collectible you want to keep them it's like proof that you did something it's experiential and it gets you access to things that's a really fun fun use case yeah yeah being able to transfer the the ownership legitimately of the tickets and not worry about like you said you mm-hmm. know, Someone screenshotting the barcode or whatever, um, right? Yeah, what's in? But I mean, both the examples you gave their marketplaces, and that seems to make a lot mm-hmm. of sense as to do you really need these centralized players taking their, uh, you know, whatever percentage of of the cut, like Ticketmaster or Top Toll? It's yeah, that that makes a lot of sense for for crypto and decentralization. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for a lot of the network-based products, marketplace products, um, and or like these like sort of like big uh, infrastructure type of products that are like ubiquitously used and or take some sort of like massive you know effort all together, like super ripe for, for crypto and Web3 and yeah. decentralization makes a lot more sense that way. Yeah, totally. At least it can. Again, they can exist. Now, I was actually, um, I'm researching one now called Render, which is like a GPU uh, network that's basically like a, what they're trying to build is like an alternative to AWS, essentially. Mm. And so you can like run applications through a network of GPUs that are all sort of in use together, like basically a whole bunch of servers, right? But it's like people's computers. I don't know all the nuances of it, but I was like, Oh, interesting. Cause like, how else would you really do that? Um, in Amazon's taking 100% of the, of the upside by like providing all this infrastructure. Hmm. That's interesting because there is a, an alternative to Heroku called render. I wonder if, Oh, there is, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't it sounds like this is a different but company, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of funny. Poor choice in name actually. <laughs> so, or maybe not because people are looking for, for that. Yeah. Since this has turned into the crypto episode, um, <laughs> whatever happened with that, like crypto Twitter alternative, what was it called? Like bit, mm. bit scoop, bit cloud, bit cloud. Yeah. Was that a total scam yeah, or did actually, that actually work out? No, it's actually super legit. In fact, the founder 
and like creator finally sort of like came out and revealed himself and it's not like a public figure okay because they did this sort of like pivot uh so now they like kind of like rebranded to uh deso which is decentralized social and basically what they're what they're doing is they're building um basically like the infrastructure for a decentralized social network and bitcloud is sort of like the first project underneath and it, it was kind of like a, an experiment like a little bit of like a, a test case it's still going um I don't know how much traction they've gotten or, and or if they sort of like fizzled out or not. I don't love it. I was never like super bought into BitClout in particular. Yeah. Uh, but the founder is a really cool guy. Um, it still is going, it's not a scam. And, uh, and now they're DSO and now that's like where they're like very publicly sort of making a lot of updates and sharing stuff about what they're building. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember at the time I was hearing about it and looking into it, it was, yeah, the founder was totally private, and mm-hmm. you could only <laughs> put money into it. You couldn't withdraw. So it was like, this right. seems <laughs> quite sketchy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it was nuts. Because uh, so he came on the My First Million podcast with Sam Parr and oh, Sean okay. Curry, and uh, you know, Sean is very much the one who's like cutting edge, willing to try anything and everything big like believer evangelist sam was more like the skeptical you know midwest like uh you know critic and um so they were talking about it and sam was telling the founder he was like yeah so sean was telling me about this new thing where it was like decentralized crypto but the founder is anonymous and when you put your money in you can't get it out and it's going to be the future. He's like, well, I'm getting that right. Right. And he was like, yeah, it's just a crazy idea. <laughs> it's, it's surprising that it even got as much traction as it did, but yeah, that's, um, it did. It happened. Yeah. That's funny. Well, props to them for not being a scam. Props to them. Exciting stuff. Uh, I'm waiting for, so to wrap up the, the thought on ENS, ENS will be, I think they're rumored to be listed on Coinbase in January. I think that will open up a lot more adoption. Coinbase actually already supports ENS, but they're like the token itself isn't listed on there. But pretty much always, once a, a coin or a token gets like mass distribution through buying and trading through a platform like Coinbase or FTX or Gemini or you know the other sort of big ones, then that really opens up a lot of demand. So um, I'll maybe have an update then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. You're gonna be pushing six figures then. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> it, I think I mean, honestly, if it came down to like, oh, this would be a nice down payment for a house, I would hundred percent pull the trigger. Yeah. And sell. Like there's no question. Yeah. Well, but right now sure. it's like just enough to be excited about, but like not enough to where like I don't know what I would do with it. I might as well just mm-hmm. let keep it, it and wait for some yeah, potential upside. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Shall we wrap it there? Yeah. Cool. We'll have uh, show notes as many as we can. I always say we'll have the show notes in the notes. I always forget that. We'll <laughs> have the links and the mentions in the show notes. Um, if you have any questions for us, there's a link right there. It'll take you to zip message. You can do an audio, video, or a text question. Ask us something, anything. We're open books. And we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>